0: Spice up your life with me, Health Chef Julia, as I set out on the journey of what is healthy. In each episode, we'll explore the different meanings of healthy. For some, healthy means indulging in something decadent and delicious. For others, it's a mental health day and a good workout. There's more to health than just food. It's about living well, enjoying your life, and having fun. Haven't you heard? Redheads do it best. Come with me and we'll find out just what healthy is. Welcome to a new episode of What is Healthy podcast, where we share every hack to get a healthier and more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Chef Julia, and today we will be talking with Laura Donadoni. Um, It's so nice having you on. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I obviously follow you on Instagram and uh, love all things to do with wine and sustainability. And I'm just so curious to pick your brain. Um, And I would love it. For you if you could introduce yourself to the audience
1: okay so uh, first of all thank you for having me and i'm so pleased to be here with you (laughs) and chatting with you and your followers uh, in this session
0: and yeah
1: i'm i'm known as the italian wine girl that's my handle on instagram and on the other social media, and basically I'm an Italian journalist. I came here in the U.S. seven years ago, and um, my aim is to communicate Italian wines to American people. Mm -hmm. That's basically my job, which is defined as an Italian global uh, wine ambassador, and to do so, I have uh, my blog, The Italian Wine Girl, my wine community online, and also a wine communication agency. So I organize events like wine classes, uh, wine dinner, or meeting with professionals or bloggers or influencers to talk about Italian wines, to educate basically about Italian wines. So that that's what I do, and Amazing. I'm very you know lucky because it's a very nice uh, job. I'm, I'm yeah. very proud. Yeah, I'm very proud from uh, of my own country, but I'm so grateful to the U.S. because I feel so welcome here, and I became a citizen just a couple of months ago so uh, yeah I, I feel at home here now so where yeah, are it, you from good I'm originally from Bergamo which is um, uh, a small city 30 miles east from Milan so okay. in Lombardy it's the northern part of Italy Lombardy area and mm-hmm. if you followed the news in the last months you may have heard about Bergamo because it was one of the most hidden city for the pandemic. So oh. it, it was the city where, you know, the majority of uh, uh, fatalities happened uh, for the COVID. And so it, it was a tough time for me being here and, and hearing about all the sufferings and, and the deaths and my parents being there, my family being there. So mm-hmm. it has been rough.
0: But, I'm uh, so sorry. Yeah, now it's better. Your family is okay?
1: Now, yes. Now everybody's safe and we had lost, but we are over over it now. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we are looking to the future with, uh, you know, yeah. trust and, and and faith. So everything now is, is uh, behind us. So... That's, that's
0: good that's our attitude um so I go around and I interview different people and I ask them what healthy is to them because everybody has a different take and a different insight on health and I would love to know since you're in the wine world what is health means you and being healthy and within the wine realm I guess yeah
1: yeah to me being healthy is all about the attitude you have toward wine in this case and in particular is about moderation And the way you taste wine can make a difference uh, between a healthy relationship with wine and an unhealthy relationship with wine. And it's a a tough topic to talk about because um, it happens to me also in the wine industry to see people that are... Mm, I can say the word addicted to, mm-hmm. to wine, uh, Wine, so alcohol uh, can really drive you to addiction. So moderation is the key. And um, what for me is important is that when you choose to drink wine, you do that for the taste and the flavor and for the experience, not to get high not Mm -hmm. for the alcohol content. So this is a a difference, very important difference. You have to switch in your mind. You have to think about uh, wine as an experience, as a sensorial experience and not as a way to get high or to get wasted. That's a big difference. I love that, yes. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what I try to do with my my wine education courses, like talking about uh, food pairing, for instance, how wine Mm -hmm. can complement your recipes, your food, and uh, what you're eating. So enhancing the experience of what you are tasting through wine. And so this is the right way to consume consume wine. Uh, For instance, we in Italy, we rarely drink wine by itself. When I grew up as a child, uh, I remember the wine being on the table with the meal. Mm -hmm. Uh, My grandpa or my father never had a glass of wine outside the, the meals. So it was intended as a complement of flavor, not right. as a, a drink itself. Mm-hmm. So that's key for me. And also I'm trying to spread this kind of culture around wine and wine
0: consumption. I think that matters so much to really care about what you're drinking and eating, to have it be a full experience and not to overconsume and be wasted. <laughs> um, When did your passion and relationship with food and wine start? Was it with like growing up in the home and seeing how you guys all ate meals together? Yeah, uh,
1: consider that my grandpa had, uh, and my family still have a winery, a small winery. Uh, near Bergamo so I grew up in the vineyards with my grandpa and they they were producing and they still are producing wine for self-consumption so we don't sell our wine Mm -hmm. but uh, it's pretty common in Italy that many families uh, produce their own wine because it's a traditional thing so Mm -hmm. I grew up with my grandpa in the vineyards and I I breathed, let's say uh, the uh, the atmosphere of uh, a viticular viticular cultural area since I was a child and I remember this beautiful time of the year which is harvest time and with me with my family and my friends uh, harvesting the grapes and then uh, squeezing them and and the the you know the smells the flavors and I think that all that uh, remained in me in my DNA and once I grew up uh, first I I did the journalist for many years in Bergamo before moving into the US but Mm -hmm. I was uh, already uh, talking about food and wine so I was a gastronomical journalist so uh, like the importance of flavor and describing flavors and food Mm -hmm. and traditions it has always be uh, my you know my passion. And so when once I came here in the US, I translated that into the Italian wine girl and I focused on Italian wines because of my origins.
0: I love it. You know, one of my favorite Italian wines I have yet to be able to find it. It's a Sicilian red and I was I was in Panarea a few years ago and I, it's amazing. It's my favorite place. I've been a few times yeah. now. Um but the Sicilian reds are really hard to find in the US. Yeah, it's
1: changing now because
0: we have some wine region,
1: especially Close to Panarea, you have the um, you know the Etna wine region where the volcano Etna is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that now is becoming very popular among the re- high-end restaurant in the, in the United States. So you can easily find Etna Rosso, which is a, a wine produced by uh, from uh, Nerello Mascalese grape, and so it's pretty easy to find uh, now. But it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't like this in the past, and in the past I'm talking about two three years ago, where you maybe you could find some less quality wines from Sicily, maybe mm-hmm. cheap wines, but they were not so representative of the region as the Etna Rosso wine is. And uh, Yeah, Sicily is, is amazing. I mean, is a, a world in an island, I say, because they have mountains, they have a shoreline, they have lakes, they have such different kinds of wines all in one island which is mm-hmm. a small part of Italy, uh, that diversity is, is a really uh, a characteristic of Italy in terms of wine and food. We have more than 600 uh, grape varieties from which we produce wine. And this number is one third of the uh, worldwide grape varieties Wow. So, yeah, it's a tiny, re- it's a tiny uh, nation, Italy, because it's as lar- large as California compared to the U.S., but it has so much diversity. And so you, you can get bored <laughs> if you yeah. want to drink, if you want to drink an Italian wine every day, you still, uh, you you have 365 days a year and you still can choose another new one for for the next day. So, what
0: yeah. Are ne- yeah. What's the, the other three largest, France and
1: France, yes, and uh, Spain
0: in Europe oh,
1: Spain. are the, the main wine producer. Yeah, but France has uh, 30% of the grape varieties of Italy. Wow. Uh, compared in number, compared in number, they are focused on inter- what we call international variety. Like Cabernet, Sauvignon, uh Chardonnay, these are French varieties. We call them international because you almost can find them everywhere now. Mm-hmm. so also here in Napa, they produce Chardonnay, Cabernet or Pinot Noir, so right. they they had they had become like international, so planted everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Italy has its own peculiar varieties that can grow only there. So that's why you can find uh, so much diversity and so, you know, different kind of wines uh, coming from Italy. Uh, that's our, you know, uh, our asset, let's say, yeah. on the market, uh, the diversity, yes.
0: But coming from Italy to the United States and, you know, starting your brand and kind of expanding it here, what are the most like challenging things about your job as a sommelier and as a um, wine and food parent, just as an educator in wine that you find yeah, is more difficult uh, in the U.S. It's different. So at the beginning,
1: for me, it was a kind of uh, a sort of a cultural adjustment because uh, the, um, the way to cons- uh, the consumption of wine is different here. And in Europe, uh, mm-hmm. as I mentioned before, here, for instance, it's not uncommon that somebody orders a glass of wine without a meal. It's not uncommon that maybe you you go home after your work shift and you open a glass, uh, a bottle of Chardonnay, just mm-hmm. to relax and have a glass of wine. And for me, that. Uh, at the beginning, it was weird. And so uh, I had to adjust to this different culture around, around wine. And then I had to learn how to tell about Italian wines in a different way. Because mm-hmm. here in the U.S., uh, people started con- con- some consuming wine daily or on a regular basis just uh, 20 years ago in the last 20 years so before Obviously. that n- 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 yeah nobody before that was drinking wine uh, m- on a regular basis, maybe once a month to celebrate something. It it was more about beer and spirits. So it's not part of the American culture to drink wine on a daily basis. So not so many people know about wine. And so I had to start from scratch explaining things that for me maybe were obvious Mm -hmm. Or were part of me because I grew up in a totally different culture. So, uh, wine education is still a challenge because sometimes I have to think with the mind of a person that grew up in the United States and doesn't have my traditional background Mm -hmm. so I I spent the first years of my you know um, my stay here in the United States studying again from scratch uh, for the wine education so uh, having my taking my certifications my diploma with the um, American institutions uh, Mm -hmm. about uh, wine uh, so and getting to know the the net of of, sorry of professionals so the other colleagues and and people that are working in the wine industry to to be able to you know uh invite them to my events so it was a lot of work of PR Mm -hmm. and uh studying again from from
0: scratch how to communicate wines with the proper language here I've seen the psalm movie and just the wording alone (laughs) and the descriptions I was just like I would not be able to remember all of this
1: I did all of that, and <laughs> yeah, I, and it was tough. The first two years that when I studied like uh, crazy, as you saw in the film, it was very tough. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't regret it. I mean, it's you know, all learning something. Uh, it's uh, the best gift you can make to you and so I was really glad to have this opportunity to start again and study from scratch uh, what wine is uh, here in the United States and, and also to get to know the American wine regions mm-hmm. so to go to go and visit Oregon for instance or Washington State or Napa
0: Valley, Sonoma Valley, Finger Lakes so it,
1: it, it has been an incredible journey, I'm blessed
0: What are your, um, so when you do your wine courses, um, what are some things that you teach in like kind of a a savant? What if I want to go to the store and I want to purchase a bottle of wine? Are there like specific key elements that I should be looking for? Yeah, the most difficult thing is to understand
1: which kind of wines you like. Mm -hmm. So before going to to the store or going wine shopping, you should really pay attention of the kind of flavors you like the most. And this can be done also through food. For instance, if you're a person who likes spicy food, uh, who likes uh, acidic food, maybe you put a lot of lemon on your salad, a lot of vinegar on on your salad, or maybe you're a person who likes sweets, so you you're like you're more on the sweet side so this helps you to also understand which kind of wines you would like the more and um, mm. so when you go to a wine shop for instance you can ask for assistance to a uh, sale persons uh, start Saying these things, so I'm a person who uh, likes the salty food and acidic food. So I would like to complement my food with the wine. And so he can give you advice uh, from certain kind of wines and, and excluding totally another uh, you know another area, for instance, of the world or the kind of grapes. So that's the first starting point. And then what I say also is that you have to look for deals. And what does it mean? Sometimes you have this very famous uh, wine region denomination, that, and the wine can cost a fortune. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I don't know Brunello di Montalcino or Barolo or you know this Napa Cabernet Sauvignon that really costs I don't know hundreds and hundreds per bottle. Mm-hmm. And if you if you want to drink something similar, you should look for wine region closer to the wine region of that kind of wine, and probably you will have a similar uh, taste profile because the grapes are grown in uh, the proximity of these very famous uh, wine regions. Mm -hmm. So that, and you can have the wines for a fraction of the cost and get something similar the you know luxury experience so these are just example but on my uh, instagram account i i make specific examples and there, there is a section called wine buying 101 where you can go and find tips and and okay suggest your, definitely be going yeah
0: there. <laughs> um do you have a favorite wine? um it's a tricky question for a wine professional
1: <laughs> <laughs> because i was like what yeah, your favorite child is yeah our our job is also uh, never stop tasting because um, Differently from other beverages, like spirits, wine changes all the time. I mean, for instance, if uh, I taste a 2017 vintage of uh, a Cabernet Sauvignon that I like, next year, the same brand and the same Cabernet Sauvignon will be totally different because vintage from vintage, you have... Different wines, because it depends on the condition uh, the grape grew uh, with, like if if it was a rainy year, if it was a sunny year, uh, the harvest was good, not good, something happened to the wine. So every vintage is different. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not easy for a wine professional to say this is my absolute favorite. But I have a range of of grapes I prefer on on others. So, typically, I prefer, like, very uh, light body wines uh, with a lot of acidity and minerality and, and spiciness. So, I love, like... Um, very neat, clean wine. I don't like uh, when they are like luscious and and they have a lot of fruit or too sweet or Mm -hmm. very heavy wines. So my taste is more, I I like a lot of white wines and sparkling wines. Me too. Uh, Yeah, because also with the food I consume, you know, I I eat a lot of fish. I live in California. Mm -hmm. So I eat uh, fresh vegetables, fish and fresh dishes. So to complement that kind of uh, of food, uh, you go with sparkling wines, white wines, rosé wines. Mm-hmm. And if you have a stick, instead, you go with uh, very bold red wines. But it's not what I eat on a regular
0: basis. So that's
1: my favorites.
0: What are your thoughts? How do you see, you know, the wine industry right now with all the forest fires and Napa? And do you think... I mean, obviously, yeah. that will affect the taste of the wine and everything that's happening. Yes,
1: um, there is a lot of debate around smoke taint, which is the defect that uh, can happen in these vintages with these uh, fires we had in Napa and Sonoma. It happened before. Consider that uh, many wineries in the area decided not to produce this vintage because it will be probably 100% be tainted by the smoke from the fires. So it's a thing some some people like think that this is, gives character to the wine so a little bit of smoke taint is kind of the the hallmark of this vintage so it would be a rare vintage because uh, it, it's an exceptional condition. And some other sommelier thinks that, no, the, the wine is just bad because it, <laughs> the smoke is too overwhelming and you can drink it. So it's a, it's a choice of the winemaker whether to release on the market the wines from this vintage or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sure thing is that uh, this was unprecedented. So right. in Napa and Sonoma, they never had so many fires in one vintages and so close to harvest time because it mm-hmm. was in the middle of october and many wineries were harvesting so it was really tough on them and for you know there are insurances but they had Big losses, also in uh, in volume and in uh, in production. So and with the COVID pandemic on top, right? It, it really it has been a black year for uh, for Napa and Sonoma. But anyway, let's see. We uh-huh. we
0: will see what comes out yes, from everyone this will uh, vintage. see yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. What about the con- like natural wines? Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm allergic to red wine, certain red wines, mm-hmm. because I get very stuffy and things uh, you know like sneezy. Um do you is the way that european wines are produced different than american wine?
1: Uh the regulation are different uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in terms of uh, substances allowed to be uh, used during the growing season, for instance, like pesticide or like uh, for, you know, frost control or any kind of hazardous in the vineyards. So um, it, the, the regulations are different. And also the certifications are different. So when you buy a wine, for instance, that is produced in the here in the United States and it says organic, and you have another wine coming from the uh, European Union and it says organic, the two organic definitions are different. Mm-hmm. So uh, generally speaking in uh, in Europe, there are stricter rules about uh, organic wines. So if you see a wine coming from Europe that says organic, it's basically um, like m- more, um, yeah, the, the rules that applies to that wine are stricter. So, Probably is more, mm, let's say, natural. Even if I don't like this term, because all the wines are natural,
0: mm-hmm. even the
1: ones that doesn't say organic. So they comes from grapes, and and they they don't. Also in the, US, the in the uh, European Union, they don't allow to add uh, uh, colorants or other substances that here in the US are allowed. So. For us, uh, for Italy, for instance, this is um, not a a thing because we know they can't do that. But here in the US, it's better that you check uh, with the producer on the label if that Mm -hmm. particular wine is produced uh, in a more natural way, let's say. And um, some substances can give allergies, as you mentioned. For instance, if you had a red wine, Uh, consider that many wineries uh, um, above all like for cheap wines they add colorants to the wine to retain the purple color Mm -hmm. or they add preservatives more um, to you know to make them last more on the Mm -hmm. shelf or when you open them and this can give you allergies Allergies. or reactions yes Mm -hmm. so if you can spend a little bit more and go right. for an or- organic wine or a, yeah, or check on the label or on the website of the producer, if they state they don't add you know, chemicals to the wine, that's important.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, now I know that. Um, before we finish, um, every time before we finish the podcast, I ask um, what your last meal would be. This is your last day on earth, and you could pick an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. What would it be? Okay. So it would be very simple.
1: As (laughs) an appetizer, I will pick uh, bread and tomatoes, Uh, like uh, Italian bread, freshly baked, uh, slightly toasted with uh, the very sweet uh, tomatoes from uh, Naples, the San Marzano, little tomatoes, Mm -hmm. and some olive oil, garlic, and basil. Like a sort of bruschetta. Mm-hmm. And then I will have for sure pasta with seafood. I love seafood. So as a main too. course, I will do like a linguine or spaghetti with uh, uh, shrimps or, you know, uh, a mix of, of seafood, mussels. Um, yeah, the more the merrier. <laughs> <laughs> and then as a second, or uh, as a dessert, I will go for a gelato. I'm a very, very... Fun, a uh, very uh, yes geeky person on gelato, Italian gelato for me is like I'm the, the same best way. I said,
0: on I said, earth. I agree, a hundred percent. My my dessert would be an affogato. I want vanilla gelato, uh, yeah. and espresso.
1: Oh, that's that's great! I love chocolate and pistacchio, uh, pistachio. or mm-hmm. pistachio are my favorite uh, flavors. But the Italian gelato in particular is so soft and creamy. It's not like uh, uh dense as the ice cream. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I love the the texture of the Italian gelato. And yeah, I miss it so much <laughs>
0: here <laughs> in the US. Yeah, yeah, that would be my my favorite meal. Um. Thank you. Do you have any other oncoming projects happening or anything that you want people to look out for? Um... uh I'm working on the
1: translation of my first book. I published oh, wow. my book in Italy this year. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. And it has uh, about uh, six Italian producers with inspiring stories. A uh, producer that, that uh, uh, saved from extinction some native varieties. Uh, so very inspiring story to two women and four men. And uh, these stories are really, really interesting. And, and so in Italy it has been a success. So I found now a publisher in the u.s and we are working on the translation and in 2021 it will be released on this market so uh, oh gosh, yeah amazing Apple- please
0: yeah. let me know when i will promote it on all all things okay, okay. thank you thank you very kind uh, from you of course um please tell everyone again where they can find you where they can um contact you all of the all the places yeah you just look for the italian wine girl on instagram
1: and my blog is uh, italianwinecare.com and on linkedin and facebook i'm as with my name like laura donadoni you can find me like that and yeah my email is there so reach out uh, even if you have question about italian wines or you're curious about it i'm i'm here to help if i can
0: mm-hmm. thank you so so much for being on i really appreciate thank you taking the time out to chat with me okay thank you Uh, of course and so that's all for today's podcast uh thank you all for listening and remember to follow italian wine girl and to follow health chef julia and subscribe to this podcast